Danny is from Minnesota and has been in Hong Kong for seven years. She was named one of the five comedians defining stand-up in Hong Kong by Time Out Magazine and featured in the documentary, I Need You to Kill. You can find her on Instagram at D.A. Higginbot. Hi, Danny. What's a surprising or shocking thing that's happened to you? Um, I was recently sent to a government quarantine center here in Hong Kong after one of my coworkers tested positive for COVID-19. So that's probably one of the most surprising things that's happened to me recently. Um, I had to actually go to the center in Fotan. I wasn't allowed to self-quarantine and my entire team got sent. And thankfully I was only in the center for a week and it was, it was driving me nuts, but um, it, was, it was quite surprising to get the call from the health authority saying they were coming to pick me up and transporting me to government quarantine. When was this? Um, end of March. Okay, so your coworker had COVID. Mm-hmm. You get a call from the government saying, hey, we're picking you up for quarantine. And yeah, um, everybody that she had close contact with was, was picked up. Basically, anyone who had more than a 15-minute conversation with her. And since she was on my team, I was obviously working with her a lot. So I think about 12 of us got sent to government quarantine. And how did they pick you guys up? They, they literally, they sent a bus and a person in like a full like protection gear came out to get us and transported us to new territories. This was at the office? They picked me up from my house. And so then you boarded the bus and you saw your coworkers on there? No, I had already known that they were also going because we have a WhatsApp group. And um, a lot of my coworkers had gotten the call beforehand, uh, before me. And we had all been tested already for COVID and most of us had gotten our negative test results. But we still had to see out the two week incubation period so they sent us to quarantine for the rest of that incubation time. Oh, so they tested you after they found out your coworker had it, but then they decided yeah. even the test came back negative to still quarantine you. Yeah, that's correct. How much time did you have before? The, oh, oh just before, the, before they picked before you they up. Picked you um, they were, they called me like the day before and then they said, we'll either pick you up today or tomorrow. Just wait for our phone call. So it ended up being the next day that they came to get me. So I was just waiting around my house, just just waiting for this phone call for a day. They tell you what to pack? No, they didn't give us any idea. But I had spoken to some other people who had been in quarantine. Um, so I kind of had a general idea. Like we only had a kettle in our in our rooms. Uh, they did have food, but it was awful. So I packed like a lot of snacks. So there's no way to wash your clothes. So I brought extra clothes and then, you know, obviously stuff to do, books to read, things like that. Who else did you know who was in quarantine? Uh, My coworkers. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, you said you had no, I'm assuming your coworkers and you all went at the same time. So you said you knew other people before the quarantine, so you knew what to pack. Yeah, well, some of them, some of them went like a day or two before. Ah, okay. All right. So they gave you a heads up. Hey, just to let you know, there's not a video game system and HBO here. It's just a kettle. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a kettle. Bring your Xbox. And so you were just in isolation for a whole week? Yep. 
Wow. That's, and how big of the room was it? Thankfully, it was actually pretty big. I was given um, a full, like, one-bedroom flat. It was it was empty. All it had in it was a bed and a table. Um, and the floors were, like, still concrete, and it was totally unfinished. But I did have a pretty big space, so I made myself do workouts just to keep my mind moving because I was um, – I can't really sit alone for too long. It's not good for me. So that kept, that kept my mind moving while I was in there. So you had no personal contact with anyone for a week? No. That's insane. Yeah, no. It sounds like you were in isolation prison. Yeah, thankfully, it was just a week. I know a lot of people have to do it for two, you know, if they come into close contact. Um, we did a story about a girl who was in there for three weeks, a teenage girl by herself. So I'm just trying to count myself as lucky that it wasn't as long as it could have been. And the story was for the newspaper you work at? Yeah. Yeah. So how come she was in there for three weeks and you were only out, you were in for one week? How'd they decide that? Do you know? So this girl, her dad had tested positive for COVID. And then, so she was in quarantine with her mom. And then after a week, her mom had tested positive for COVID. So then the, the girl's mom went off to the hospital and then the girl had to restart her quarantine time all over again to, to reset the incubation period. So she was in there for about three weeks, I think. And then for you, it was only one week because? Because it, it had, by the time the, the, the uh, CDC, the health, health authority had called me, um, it had been a week since I had contact with the positive COVID case. Uh-huh. So they, yeah, so I just needed to see out the rest of the incubation time. Jeez. All right. Uh, yeah. So definitely surprising, shocking. It sounds like you kept yourself busy by exercising. Anything else about that experience you want to share? Um, I guess it was just the loss of normalcy, like the loss of a sense of control. If, if I had been allowed to quarantine in my own flat, I, I think it would have been much better because, you know, at least it's somewhere it's a familiar environment. And just being there and it was kind of bare and I was never totally sure what was going on since I don't speak Cantonese. Um, so that was, that was probably the worst part was just not knowing what comes next. Did they not interact with, did the medical staff not interact with you during that week? It took them three days to send someone to take my temperature, which I didn't understand because they said I was there to be monitored and nobody was monitoring me so I kind of kept bothering them about it and then they they finally sent someone to drop off a thermometer and they said they would call me twice a day and check what my temperature was (laughs) so they give you a thermometer hey check your temperature let us know how it is yeah yeah exactly okay and you said the food was terrible so they served you meals every day yeah, they would um, drop it off outside your your room and like ring your doorbell very loudly so that you would come out and grab it. What kind of stuff do they give you? Uh, rice with some kind of meat and then the vegetables was always cabbage and carrots, like always. And it was it was the same when I used to teach. It was the same school lunch that my students got and they all hated it. And I, I can't even stand the smell of it. So... Thankfully, one of my friends did a huge shopping trip and she dropped off a whole bunch of like tuna 
and ramen for me. Um, cause you're, you can bring it to the security and then they deliver it to you later on. So I, I pretty much survived off of tuna and rice for like that whole week I was there. All right. Have you ever been depressed? Uh, yeah, I actually, I have depression. I have anxiety and depression. Um, so I only started working on it about a year ago and yeah, about, about this time last year, it was a really rough time for me because, um, I was working full time and I was in grad school. I was finishing my thesis and I just felt like I was, I was drowning all the time. And I eventually, I had an anxiety attack and had to spend the night in the hospital. And that's when, you know, doctor finally realized, hey, you have depression. And I was like, wow, this actually explains, you know, a lot about my life. <laughs> so it was, it was actually sort of comforting to get the diagnosis because I was like, oh, okay, it's not just me. There's like, there's actually a reason for all this. And now I can start to work on it. When you say it explains a lot of your life, what do you mean? When you think about like, depressive episodes or you know going through certain times where you know maybe there's a few a, a month where I don't really want to go anywhere or do anything or see people or maybe I take something more personally than I should have or I, I let it sit with me for too long and then I replay it over and over again in my head um I and and or just I guess past behaviors like you know as younger in my late teens early 20s maybe going out drinking too much you know a lot of that was depression based I think so it helped me to fill in some blanks I guess and so since that anxiety attack and being admitted to the hospital and finding it out how have you been dealing with it uh I'm on I'm on medication uh but the biggest thing is therapy and you really, it's really something you need to work on every day. And it gets kind of exhausting because it feels like you're sort of always battling against yourself in a way. Like you have to create, at least for me, I don't know how this is for everybody else, but you know, I really need structure. I need routine. I need to exercise regularly. Otherwise I start to get depressed. I need to eat well. Otherwise, you know, I start to keep my feelings, things like that. So it's, it's been mostly about talking and creating a routine. And so with the quarantine, which is not conducive to having a regular routine, how have you been dealing with that? Uh, so now my gym has moved their classes online. So I'm still able to do zoom workouts with my trainers. We've okay. So, you know, in Hong Kong, we've opened up recently uh, a bit more. I'm back in the office as of last week. And that's been really good because, you know, working from home, there was really no work, work life balance. So I would just be in my pajamas all day. I would, I wouldn't leave the house all day. And that's really not good for me at all. So it's been, it's been amazing to be able to leave my house and see my friends again. I feel like refreshed. Yeah, no, after being cooped up for so long, I can imagine. Yeah. Especially with, you know, you know how small flats in Hong Kong are. I think if this had been in, in the U.S., at least I'd have a huge house to hang out in rather than, I don't know how many square foot my, my place is, but it's, it's not, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you can touch uh, both walls on either side of you with both arms. 
yeah my bedroom basically just fits a, a double bed and that's about it yeah yeah it's always crazy to me when i try to describe to my american friends the size of the average living space in hong kong i tell yeah. them it's 160 square feet and the average american parking space is 180 square feet oh man it's whenever I go home and I'm in my parents' house, I'm sort of just amazed. I'm just like, who, who even needs this much, this much space? <laughs> yeah, for sure. The, the kitchen is bigger than my whole apartment, I swear. Yeah, there's always an adjustment period traveling between the two countries. Yeah. Do you ever miss being in, where in Minnesota is it? In Minneapolis? Yeah, a suburb of Minneapolis. Um, no, no, I don't. I, I, I really love being in Hong Kong. I don't think Hong Kong is a forever place because it is exhausting to live here. But for the time being, it's it's a great place. You know, for comedy, it's, it's a really good environment to be in. I'm a journalist, so this is sort of the perfect place to be a journalist right now. So in a few years, I think I might go somewhere else, but I have no idea where I would go. So it sounds like for right now, Hong Kong is a good place for you. Yeah, you know, I get my permanent residency pretty soon. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And um, yeah, I've just really established some roots here. That's awesome. Congrats. Not many people that would pull that off. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Hong Kong is a tough place to survive. It is. Yeah, no, there's a lot of luck involved, I think. Can you describe one of your more embarrassing moments? Okay, I'd have to say the one that really sticks out in my head is when I just started teaching um, and one of my students was complaining because she had gotten her hair caught in her ponytail holder and she couldn't get it out. And she was like, it hurts. It hurts so much. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Like here, let's, let's just do this. So I, I took a scissors and I was like, I'm just going to cut the, the, the binder off. Okay. I'm just going to cut the holder off. I don't know what happened, but I ended up cutting off a, a sizable chunk of her hair as well not trying to oh my god um, and i after that i i dropped the scissors and let out a, an expletive in a class of uh what 30 12 year olds and they just started laughing and laughing and i was like oh my god please don't tell your parents that i did this please don't tell your parents that i said that how did she, she react she wasn't mad she was laughing she was like, hey, it's fine. It was in like kind of the back bottom of her hair. So it's not like it showed off anyways. But she was like, you were just trying to help me. I get it. So thankfully, she was really cool about it. Some some kids would throw a fit, right? Yeah. So I got my lucky. But she did tease me about it for the rest of the school year. Okay. So uh, physically abusing students. That's... Uh... <laughs> Let's try to help. I know how much it hurts to get your hair caught in a ponytail. <laughs> Have you ever had a haircut accidents yourself? Uh, n no. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was. I tried to cut my own bangs when I was in Korea, and that was pretty disastrous. And I'll never do that again. But how long were you in Korea for? A year. Uh, I was in Korea right before I came to Hong Kong. Oh, okay. And this was in Seoul. No, no. I was in a smaller city in the south called Changwon. And what were you doing out there? Teaching English. Okay. And so that was your first spot outside of the U.S.? No, I lived in Ecuador for about uh, six months. Um, okay. Was, what, were you, what were you doing there? 
Uh, first, I was interning for a daily newspaper, and then I was working for this sort of like high fashion magazine. But I was 21, uh, wasn't making money, and I had to pay my student loans. So I went back to the U.S. I was back in the U.S. for a year, and then I moved to Korea, and then Hong Kong. Oh, fascinating. I didn't know you had done that much traveling. Huh. Yeah, I've, I've spent most of my adult life outside the U.S., so it kind of occurred to me, like, I have no idea how to function as an adult in America. Is it weird whenever you go back to visit? So weird. I mean, it's it's not my home anymore. It's really not. And it's, you know, my friends, they own houses. They have kids. It's just really weird because, you know, in my mind, we're all still 21, and you know, walking home drunk from the bar and, and now they're like planning weddings and stuff. It's so weird. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of traveling the world, writing about the world and they're settling down into having families and buying homes. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 two totally different um, lifestyles, I guess. Yeah. When's the time you've laughed the hardest? Okay, so... A couple of weeks ago, we did this live stream talk from the Riff. Um, Riff's the newest comedy club in Hong Kong. And, and they opened at, it was a very unfortunate time because it was the protests were kicking off and then um, COVID hit. So then they had to close down. So we were just trying to do something funny for people. So one day we did this live stream and it was me and Cassie and Jasmine and Rose Rage and it was like, ask the female comedians these questions, blah, blah, blah. Somebody submitted questions, and they were all sort of sexist. Um, kind of the typical, is there a lot of fighting with, you know, between the female comedians? Do you care a lot about what you wear on stage? And one of them was like, oh, is it just like oh, period jokes over and over again? And, you know, we were talking about that, and we're like, you know, it's, you know, sexist. You know, I, I don't know anybody with a period joke, blah, blah, blah. But then Jasmine says, like, oh, yes, well, actually, I'm having my period right now. Ha, ha, ha. And then we, you know, kind of joke around about periods. And then as Cassie's wrapping up the podcast, she goes, okay, uh, well, does anybody else want anything, have anything they want to plug? And we all just <laughs> stared at each other and burst out like laughing tears <laughs> because she just totally, you know, she wasn't planning on, on, on making a joke out of it. Um, but that was hilarious. And you can cap, you can see that moment on Facebook still, thankfully. What's one of your fondest memories? I guess uh, my best friend from back home, she came to visit Hong Kong last year for Chinese New Year. And I decided to surprise her and I bought tickets for one of those boats in the harbor, like a cruise during the fireworks. So we were right on Victoria Harbor and we got like the best view of the fireworks and she was just like so excited and it was a once in a lifetime experience for her. So I think, I think that might be one of my fondest memories is, is, you know, that was such a unique experience and especially now, you know, this year, no, no, no fireworks. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just, yeah. Because of the process. Yeah, man. What a great gift to give your friend. What accomplishment are you most proud of? I, I mean, I, I built a whole new life on the other side of the planet. Like, I 
grew up, I was this kid who grew up with a single teen mom and I'm like one of the first people in my family to go to college. And then I moved to the other side of the world. Sure. I followed a boy, you know, and that didn't work out, but <laughs> I, I did my master's degree and now I have a job in the field that I've always wanted to work in. Um, so I guess it's just making it over, over here is, is, is a huge accomplishment of mine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Nice. Wow. To close out the show, could we have your twist on the phrase, a mouse did run, my story is done. A mouse did run, my story is done.